1: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. At this time, we ask that you turn off all cell phones, unless, of course, you're using them to listen to this podcast, in which case, please keep it on. And please refrain from any flash photography as it is dangerous to the performers of this podcast. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What I
1: I, cl- I clicked on
2: record and then I waited for you to say <laughs> I'm you, I don't know. I never it's know what only to a say. A few seconds of so silence. Fine. It's fine. Cause I never know what to say. Cause you usually sing. I, that's true. <laughs> I haven't been in this. Oh. You usually sing the welcome though, uh, no, and okay. so that's why I'm always quiet. Cause I'm waiting <laughs> <laughs> for you to sing the welcome.
1: Like you've never spoken over me. Before <laughs>
2: <my mom. laughs> I don't. St- I don't speak over the welcome.
1: Welcome.
2: <laughs> Did
1: you like that? It's great. I timed it so that you weren't talking.
2: <laughs>
1: Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous, everybody. <laughs> we have been out of practice. Mm-hmm. This is a bit rusty. So it is. So let's try this again. Mm-hmm. Welcome.
2: What's up, Theater Geeks?
1: <laughs> geeks. There you go. Now we're in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you've reached Theater Geeks Anonymous, where we talk about Broadway flops, scan new works
2: who fails who sues we tell their story
1: we tell it good we do we tell it really well we tell it good <laughs> i like doing the little glottal <laughs> you yeah, could yodel you know that's cool oh i love yodeling
2: like, if I, if I like carol no that wasn't carol burnett Did no it wasn't yodeling what was she doing <laughs> she was doing the tar- tarzan call that's what oh, it was which is kind of yodeling yeah, it's in a way mm-hmm. uh, uh, i can't do it <laughs> She can still do it. She's
1: in her 80s. She's amazing. Yeah, she is. I got to meet her once Did backstage you? after a performance of Wicked. She had brought her grandson, and she was the sweetest thing ever because we were all so excited to meet her, but she yeah. came forward, and she was like, this is my grandson. It's his first time seeing the show, and so that we were, you know, so that yeah. the attention then was, was put on him. him. It was really sweet, but it was really cool to meet her. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wish I went to the only reason I went to see Love Letters lit, like the second time was literally because she was in it. And I like wanted I wanted so desperately to meet her. My mother was still alive then. OK, so I wanted like I was hoping she'd come out of the stage door so I would like could get a picture. And my mom was in the hospital. Okay. And so I was going to like show yeah. my mom the she didn't come out. Oh, yeah.
1: Sometimes they go out a different entrance. Yeah.
2: Which I get. Yeah, I get it. I do, I understand. And she's not a spring chicken, so it's no, like that's very true. You so know? yeah, eleven o'clock is very late yeah. for
1: us people that are <laughs> I'm putting myself in the category of an eighty year old. <laughs> what does that say about me? <laughs> <laughs> uh just feel that old, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Burnett to me is in like right in the same category as like Madeline Kahn. Like they're just mm-hmm. these these comedians. Who were so brilliant at yeah. what they did? Yeah, oh, I just yeah. love them, love, love, love. And they love. did
2: everything. Because <laughs> like they did, they would do TV and they would do film really mm-hmm. well, you know. And then they could pop back into a musical and be awesome. Totally, totally. So. Okay.
1: Oh, all right. Are we getting started? <laughs> we should start. Well, okay. I'm excited about today's. Yeah. I've been working on this for a while because we were going to be recording. I have to re- I have to apologize because we ran yeah. out of episodes. I feel like we yeah. should apologize at least a little bit. We ran out of episodes last week because we've been busted as far as our schedules are concerned. Yeah. So it's very difficult to kind of coordinate. Mm-hmm. Um. And so we had enough for, you know, that, that small amount of time. Yeah. And then I looked in my, my external hard drive
2: and I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, sorry I, guys. I knew, I, I knew it would be. Yeah. Cause um, we couldn't get in anything before Bruce. Yeah. And... But you know what? We're making it work. Yep. We
1: both have, I've got two, you've got one full-time job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, plus the dogs plus your life my life just everything everything and we love this which is why we make time for it but it is a little more difficult than i think we thought it was going to (laughs) be
2: especially like just this year because like you you got the second job and then um god is blessing me to do like some stuff i want to do awesome outside of my job yeah
1: but, oh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, I'm really excited about this yes, episode. It'll oh, be great! that's what I was going to say. We had uh, planned on recording this a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. but then plans fell through for a myriad of reasons. One was called a migraine, <laughs> yeah. So, and those, those are really suck. fun. They're real yeah, bad. This season has been really awful for me as far as migraines are concerned, and I'll just – it won't be a full-blown one, but it'll be like that low-grade, just all day long in the back of my neck it's awful. Uh, so I had written this ages ago, but then, you know, brought it out, I think, yesterday to kind of read through and see if yeah. I needed to add anything. And it just excites me <laughs> because today's episode <laughs> is Parade. Yay! I love this show so much. <laughs> and here's the thing is this is funny because I've, I mean, I had this whenever
2: it came out. It's, it's in oh, there eight? somewhere. Wait, no, I'm look. lying. 98.
1: It's 98. It has to be in the... You know
2: what? What?
1: I don't have the dates in my thing. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll have to find it
2: later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my <goodness. laughs> I think it's 98, though. I'm pretty sure it's okay. 1998. No, you're
1: probably absolutely right, because I was still in high school at the time. So... But anyway, I had this cast recording, and I thought, there's no possible way that that's a flop. We will not be doing an episode about Parade. Mm-hmm.
2: But sure enough... I mean, the thing is, is as celebrated Mm -hmm. a composer as Jason Robert Brown is. And this was the first show. It's most of his shows are not that lucrative. Like if we're if we're honest, they just didn't stay open that long. But they have a massive following because they're really good. So good. (laughs) So good. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Okay, You ready for this? I am. I'm really excited. Me too.
1: (laughs) Parade is a musical. Uh, with a book by Alfred Urey and music and lyrics by Jason Robert Brown. Alfred Urie, and I have it down here. Oh, I'm skipping ahead, but that's cool. This is how I'm going to roll today, apparently. <laughs> Alfred Urie wrote The Last Night at Ballyhoo and also Driving Miss Daisy.
2: Yeah. Which were both plays. I went to, um, he did at the Cherry Lane Theater. Mm-hmm. In 2013, probably, like my friend Jenny, this is like parades, her favorite musical. Yeah. So Alfred Yuri was there doing like a just like this talk. And nice. so she was like, do you want to go with me? I was like, yes, I want to go. <laughs> so we went and he he like gave the whole backstory about driving Miss Daisy, how that came about. <clears throat> Excuse me. Parade and how that came about. And it was just really fascinating. What's
1: the story? Maybe I have it. You, you
2: probably have it, so I won't like... And if... If,
1: if I don't, you can chime yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Because that would be interesting. I probably don't. Now that I'm reading this over again, I'm like, maybe I'm not as prepared as I thought I was. <laughs> so uh, Alfred Urie wrote the book and the music and lyrics by Jason Robert Brown, who... This was his first musical that he had ever written at this point or that was ever, I guess, produced, the first one that was produced because he might have <laughs> written some stuff before then. Right. Uh, The musical premiered on Broadway in 1998. Let me quickly bring up the dates. It opened December 17th, 1998 and it closed February 28th, 1999. So just about three months. Right. Um, I don't have an exact number of performances, but
2: you know. You figure eight shows a week, you guys can do the math. Yeah. Get a calculator. Eight times (laughs) twelve.
1: I'll let you do that because I'm really rubbish at math. (laughs) So the plot of Parade is, again, it's like we go to this true crime stuff, and I just love it so much that this is why it interests me. Because
2: that's the thing, like, true crime and the theater are, like, two of our favorite things in the whole wide world, (laughs) and so when they converge, we're like, this is the best episode.
1: (laughs) So the plot, for those of you who don't know, uh, the musical opens in Marietta, Georgia, in the time of the American Civil War. The sounds of the drums herald the appearance of a young Confederate soldier bidding farewell to his sweetheart as he goes to fight for his homeland. The years pass, and suddenly it's 1913. The young soldier has become a one-legged old veteran who is preparing to march in the annual Confederate Memorial Day parade. As the parade begins, Leo Frank, a a Yankee Jew, or a Yankee you, is what I was going to (laughs) say, from Brooklyn, New York is deeply uncomfortable in the town in which he works and lives feeling out of place due to his Judaism and his college education. His discomfort is present. Even in his, in his relationship with his wife, Lucille, who has planned an outdoor meal spoiled by Leo's decision to go into work on a holiday. Meanwhile, two local teens, Frankie Epps and Mary Fagan ride a trolley car and flirt. It's going to be one of those days. (laughs) Um, Frankie wants Mary to go to the picture show with him, but Mary playfully resists, insisting her mother will not let her. Mary leaves to collect her pay from the pencil factory managed by Leo Frank. While Frank is at work, Lucille bemoans the state of their marriage, believing herself unappreciated by a man so wrapped up in himself. She reflects on her unfulfilled life and wonders whether or not Leo was the right match for her. Mary Fagan arrives in Leo's office to collect her paycheck that night, two policemen, Detective Starnes and Officer Ivy, rouse Frank from his sleep and without telling him why, demand he accompany them to the factory where the body of Mary Fagan has been found raped and murdered in the basement. The police immediately suspect Newt Lee, the African-American night watchman who discovered the body. Throughout his interrogation, he maintains his innocence, but inadvertently directs Starn's suspicion upon Frank, who did not answer his telephone when Lee called him to report the incident. Leah was arrested, but not charged, and Mrs. Fagan, Mary's mother, becomes aware of Mary's death. Now, I don't quite understand why they would be suspicious of him for not answering his phone in the middle of the night. Is that just me?
2: No, that doesn't make sense. Right. <laughs> so I would agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. Uh, Across town, a reporter named Britt Craig is informed about Mary's murder and sees the possibility of a career-making story. Mm. Craig attends Mary's funeral, where the townspeople of Marietta are angry, mournful, and baffled by the tragedy that has so unexpectedly shattered the community. Frankie Epps swears revenge on Mary's killer, as does Tom Watson, a writer for the Jeffersonian, an extremist right-wing newspaper who has taken special interest in the case. In the meantime, Governor Slayton pressures the local prosecutor, Hugh Dorsey, to get to the bottom of the whole affair. Dorsey, an ambitious politician with a lousy conviction record, resolves to find the murderer. Dorsey, along with Starnes and Ivy, the two cops, mm-hmm. interrogate Newt Lee, but they get no information. Dorsey releases Newt, reasoning that hanging another, oh, N-word, mm-hmm. uh, ain't enough this time. We gotta do better. Oh, that's just terrible. Yep. He then attaches the blame to Leo Frank and sends Starnes and the reluctant Ivy out to find eyewitnesses. Craig exults in his opportunity to cover a real story, quote unquote, and begins an effective campaign vilifying Leo Frank. Leo meets with his lawyer Luther Rosser, who vows to win the case and send him home. Meanwhile, Dorsey makes a deal with factory janitor and ex-convict Jim Conley to testify against Frank in exchange for immunity for a previous escape from prison. Lucille, hounded by reporters, collapses from the strain and privately rebukes Craig when he attempts to get an interview. She tells her husband that she cannot bear to see his trial, but he begs her to stay in the courtroom, as her not appearing would make him look guilty. Mm -hmm. The trial of Leo Frank begins, presided over by Judge Roan. A hysterical crowd gathers outside the courtroom as Tom Watson spews invective, and Hugh Dorsey uh, begins the case for the prosecution. The prosecution produces a series of witnesses, most of whom give trumped evidence which was clearly fed to them by Dorsey. Frankie Epps testifies falsely that Mary mentioned that Frank looks at her funny when they last spoke. Uh, A sentiment echoed verbatim by three of Mary's teenage co-workers, Iola, Essie, and Montine. In a fantasy sequence, Frank becomes the lecherous seducer of their testimony. Testimony is heard from Mary's mother and Minnie McKnight before the prosecution star witness, Jim Conley, takes the stand, claiming that he witnessed the murder and helped Frank cover up the crime. Leo is desperate. As prosecutor Hugh Dorsey whips the observers and jurors into a, uh, in, at the trial into a frenzy, Leo is given the opportunity to deliver a statement. Leo offers a heartfelt speech pleading to be believed, but it is not enough. Mm. He's found guilty and sentenced to hang. The crowd breaks into a jubilant cakewalk as Lucille and Leo embrace, terrified. And that's the end of Act One. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I gotta say that the cakewalk at the end of Act One is something to listen to. I've never seen this show, Mm -hmm. but listening to it in this cast recording Mm -hmm. gives me chills. I'm thinking about it and getting chills, like getting goosebumps. (laughs) Because... You've got this minor chord playing a sustained chord underneath this upbeat cakewalk mm-hmm. song. And it's so haunting. Yeah. It's really, really very cool. I, I think Jason Robert Brown did some amazing work in this show. Yeah. What were you going to say?
2: I Well, I did. I got to see. So my friend Jenny, I was just talking about um, when she first moved here. She was in a production that was in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, and so I, I, you know, I got to see a full, I got to see a full production, which obviously was like the first time I got to, um, see it. And I, I hadn't listened to like it, J.R.B. is not, I, I think he's awesome, but he's not someone that I had like listened to over and over and over. Like a lot of my friends had watching that scene for the first time and, it's not the first time I heard it, but I hadn't, since I hadn't heard, listened to the sound, the cast recording that often, Yeah, um, I didn't just like remember it offhand, but you, you just like, it, you just like anger rises mm-hmm. up in you because you know that this it's is, yes, yeah, total injustice. And so you're just like, I know. <laughs> while you're watching yeah. all of these
1: other people in the courtroom yeah. rejoice. Yeah. Over the And like and this and I'll <laughs> get into this later because I'm going to mention the real story as well and mm-hmm. what it's what it's actually based on. But all of the people that I've mentioned or most of the people that I've mentioned are the actual people that Hugh Dorsey was the prosecutor, um, right. the governor, Judge Roan, uh, you know, all of those people. Tom uh Watley or oh Watson, Tom Watson, mm-hmm. you know, these are all real people and they were they all came together in the exact same way that they're being portrayed as right mm-hmm. now. So this isn't artistic license. They right. basically told the exact story. Ooh, yep. Which is ugh, just heart-wrenching. Anyway, so act 2. <laughs> Get ready. Leo has begun his process of appeal. The trial has been noted by the press in the North, and the reaction is strongly disapproving of the way in which it was conducted. But the African American domestics wonder if the reaction would be, would have been as strong if the victim had been black, which is very true. Mm-hmm. We still think that today, yeah, which is ridiculous. <laughs> like
2: it's 100 true years that, later. I know, like you, 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 you're like really, we haven't changed that much. That sucks. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> Um,
1: <laughs> Lucille tries to help Leo with his appeal, but reveals crucial information to Craig, provoking a fight between Leo-, Leo and Lucille. Lucille then finds Governor Slayton at a party and attempts to advocate for Leo. She accuses him of either being a fool or a coward if he accepts the outcome of the trial as is. Meanwhile, Tom Watson approaches Tom Dorsey, oh, I'm sorry, Hugh Dorsey, Tom Watson approaches pro- <laughs> Meanwhile <laughs> Tom Watson approaches Hugh Dorsey and tells him that he will support the bid for governor. Um, Hugh's uh, a bid for governor should he choose to make mm-hmm. it. Dorsey and Judge Roan go on a fishing trip where they discuss the political climate and the upcoming election. The governor agrees to reopen the case and Leo and Lucille rejoice. Slayton uh, visits the factory girls who admit to their exaggeration and many who claims that Dorsey intimidated her and made her sign a statement Wow. I didn't remember that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Slayton also visits Jim Conley, who's back in jail as an accessory to the murder, who refuses to change his story de- despite the noticeable inconsistencies with the evidence, and along with his chain gang, does not give any information, much to the chagrin of Slayton. After much consideration, he agrees to commute Frank's sentence to life in prison in Mid- Milledgeville, Georgia. Uh a move that effectively ends his political career. The citizens of Marietta, led by Dorsey and Watson, are enraged and riot. Leo has been transferred to a prison work farm. Lucille visits and he realizes his deep love for his wife and how much he has underestimated her in the song All the Wasted Time, which is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think that's the one they sang on the Tony Awards, right?
2: I I have I have to go back and watch, I don't remember. I loved it.
1: I mean, I don't remember the actual thing, but I remember the picture that's in my mind about it. I think that's the one they sang. Um,
2: it, I I would guess so since Carolee was up for uh, a yeah. Tony yeah, yeah she was she didn't the woman it. is majestic she's
1: I love her so much she's just majestic love her. <laughs> uh, after Lucille departs from the prison, a party of masked men which are Starnes, Ivy, Frankie Epps, and the Fulton Tower Guard, and also uh, the old Confederate soldier from the beginning of the show, arrive, and they kidnap Leo. They take him to Marietta and demand he confess to the murder on pain of death. Leo refuses, and although Ivy is convinced of his innocence, the rest of the group is determined to kill him. As his last request, Leo has a sack tied around his waist, since he is only wearing his nightshirt. "'and gives his wedding ring to Ivy to be given to Lucille. "'The group hangs him from the oak tree. "'Sometime later, a remorseful Brit Craig gives Leo's ring, "'which has been delivered to him anonymously, to Lucille. "'He is surprised to discover that she has no plans to leave Georgia, "'which is now governed by Dorsey, "'but he refuses to let Leo's... uh, "'She refuses to let Leo's ordeal be for nothing,' Alone, she gives into her grief, but she takes comfort in believing that Leo is with God and free from his ordeal. The Confederate Memorial Day Parade begins again. And you've got this bookend of a show. The very beginning is this Confederate Mm -hmm. Day Memorial Parade, and the very end is the same, and it's the same music, and it's so good. (laughs) It's so good. Here, A little bit of a history. This is kind of (laughs) neat. Um, Hal Prince turned to Jason Robert Brown to write the score to Alfred Urey's book after his daughter Daisy had brought Brown to his attention. They had a, a relationship.
2: Okay. I Hal, think a couple it was, of, uh, yeah. of Hal's ideas end up coming from his family. Yeah. Because the same thing happened with Marilyn. Yes. Like his, I think it was his wife. Yep. I think you're right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love that. I think that's adorable. He's like, what do you guys think? Uh huh. <laughs> so cute. Um, Originally, though, Stephen Sondheim turned the project down. And uh, I found a curtain up review that kind of leads us to maybe believe why that is. And the curtain up review states, no doubt there will be those who think this musical chronicle of the notorious 1913 trial and the subsequent lynching should have been done as a straight play like its predecessors, Striving, Miss Daisy and Last Night at Bollyhoo. Uh, After all, theatergoers who accept tragic plays don't always rush to see operatically dark musicals like Passion and Assassins, Mm -hmm. listed specifically. Mm -hmm. Their unpopularity prompted Stephen Sondheim to turn down the chance to musicalize Yuri's story as, quote, too dark. So I think that's really interesting. Because, I mean it's funny though but like Sweeney Todd is very dark dark. but it's also a comedy this is this is where Stephen Sondheim shines as
2: far as I'm concerned yeah when he does that dark material but it's
1: it's so true to human experience Mm -hmm. that it's funny like that's I mean
2: yeah but I feel like assassins is like that too I think so too it's like this like this like, you're sitting there, and you realize you're laughing, and you're like, oh, but, oh, no. Does that make me a bad
1: person? <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, oh, can I sidebar for a second? Cause sure. Because we were just talking about assassins, yeah. and it led me to remember that Terrence Mann was doing Jerry Springer the opera just recently, and how I much just watched I the love theater. Ter- Terrence Mann. Mann, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, love him when he when he was in Pippin. Okay, this is another side by the side. <laughs> okay, so I saw the Pippin with uh, Patina Miller and yeah. him, right? And it had all I'd seen. I've by that point I'd seen so many Broadway shows, so it wasn't <laughs> like Pippin was like one of the first five or something. I'd right. seen so many, and that but I'd never seen like a mistake. Do you oh, know what then, I mean? Yeah. Like something break or somebody like, I always wanted a story. Yes. I I wanted one so bad. (laughs) And so I was with the same friend, Jenny. Yeah. And we had stood in line to get the rush tickets and we went and we saw Pippin and we, uh, they were supposed to be obstructed view, but they weren't, they were fantastic. Nice. So we're in the orchestra and, um, they're doing, Oh Lord, what song was it? Now I can't remember what song it was. Well, anyway, every, like, every cast member was on stage. dun dun
1: dun, 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 dun. That one.
2: Um, um, oh, shoot. That sounds like Cabaret. No, I'm <laughs> It did
1: sound like Cabaret. <laughs> <laughs> but not in my own mind.
2: <laughs> um, I'll think of it. I can't, it's, it's in Act One, and it's, like, not too far but into it. When the dun- Think, marching. It's because yes. it starts with that kind of. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, very it's much that way. Okay. And so. <laughs> and so like they're going along and they're doing their deal. And then Terrence Mann, like in character goes, um, we will now be like taking a break. From, <laughs> like, and all of a sudden, ev- like, and then in character, the music's still playing, everyone leaves the stage, and then the curtain comes down. And Jenny and I were like, wait, what? And the girl next to us was like, wait, did something did something happen? He he did it so like so much in character. Yeah. And everyone like was so everyone hard. Everyone kept it. Yeah, yeah, we had no idea something had happened. What happened, you know? Yeah, so later we found out like one of the bulbs broke and there was glass oh, on the stage. Oh my gosh. So, they were like, people can't dance yeah. on this. You'll have. Well, and you had acrobats, so you've got people right. on their hands no, and knees. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. So, they had to stop the show so they could clean the glass oh, off the stage. Gosh. But I was like, and then I sat there and I was like, I just saw a mistake. <laughs> I was so happy. Was so yes. Happy. <laughs> Those are my favorite shows yeah. to perform,
1: too. Like, when something <laughs> goes wrong, because the people that are there when you start again mm-hmm. are there. Yeah. Like, they are with you till the end Did because you ever there is. Have the alpha this, yeah. but
2: not fly? Oh yeah, all the time. So did did you we do that thing B... where you lay on the floor? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard about this where you have to like—is <laughs> that real? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so
1: that she seems to be higher than you. Higher than you. So I didn't because I was uh, blocked on. Uh, it's like there are two things on, off stage that roll on stage, okay. like platforms uh-huh. They're The gear platforms was what we called them because they were covered with gears. But anyway, mm-hmm. like everything is in Wicked. Right. Um, So I was on those. Mm-hmm. But I kind of had to crouch and like, you know, make it look like she was flying. But yeah, everybody else was on the fly Everyone that was blocked you, on so stage was on the So when you lay on your back... Well, no, no. I th- mean, like, I just kind of like, n- you but know, because you can I'm above. So. Right.
2: But what? Do- they,
1: they all get down on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, I mean, it's not like they're laying down with their arms okay. up. But it's they, they crouch and they make it look like. OK. She's going
2: up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I always wondered. I was like, I've heard this. Is yeah. this real? And then Shoshana Bean was talking about. She's talking about it, but so, I can't remember who somebody said theirs was like the first show it broke. Yeah, maybe it was. A show no, and it's
1: funny too because well, <laughs> here's a little more detail. <laughs> um, so when she starts to fly, mm-hmm. we've all got a piece of this black muslin that is made to look like her skirt or her cape, right? And we are all backstage or upstage, as far mm. upstage as you can get, and we're billowing up. This, this cape okay. to make it look like she's flying right. so when we're all back there if we have a show that she's not flying mm-hmm. we know right away basically but yeah. the dance captain will come to the back to upstage and say be show everybody be show and <laughs> so we know okay we gotta like she's not flying we gotta mm-hmm. kneel or like go, <laughs> go it's hysterical farther. it is very funny I know it's you know things happen yeah. especially now because you've got so many mechanics that are right. all automated and if one button isn't pushed or if it's pushed too soon and so then you miss the cue later yeah. it's like you know but it just happens
2: <laughs> well now i know that that is real and that's
1: not hearsay no it is not hearsay <laughs> because i said it it's pamela say <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, oh! So here's a little more history to the show Parade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Alfred Eury actually grew up in Atlanta. This is really cool to me. Okay. He had a personal knowledge of the Frank story because his great uncle mm-hmm. owned the pencil factory that Leo managed. Oh, that's terrifying! I know. But how, like, cool is that? Yeah, I feel like on uh, my favorite murder, the podcast that we both love, yeah. they, you know, they'll mention, you know, let you know, talk to your family and see if you've got any murders yeah. to talk about. But like, this would be a pretty amazing story yeah. to be able to tell for real, right? Like, yeah, my grandfather's brother owned the pencil factory, and Leo, Fra- and they discovered Mary Fagan's body, and then Leo Frank was taken. He managed, the- and it was like, oh my gosh, like, how cool is that? <laughs> Um, In dramatizing the story, Prince and Yuri have emphasized the evolving relationship between Leo and his wife, Lucille. Their relationship shifts from cold to warm in songs like uh, Leo at Work, What Am I Waiting For, You Don't Know This Man, Do It Alone, and All the Wasted Time. The poignancy of the couple who fall in love in the midst of adversity is the core of the work, and it makes the tragic outcome and the miscarriage of justice even more disturbing, which I can absolutely agree to. The show was Brown's first Broadway production. His music... Jason Robert Brown, if you didn't put that together... His music, according to critic Charles Isherwood, <laughs> um, has subtle and appealing melodies that draw on a variety of influences from pop rock to folk to rhythm and blues and gospel. He's also, I mean, he so seamlessly adds in hymns, uh, and you know, like real life church music and real yeah. life Confederate, you know, music. And it's so it just, he just oh I'm a fan. Yeah.
2: I'm a fan. I mean, he he knows what he's doing. He does. I will say though,
1: as beautiful as the music was in Bridges of Madison County, uh-huh. I do kind of feel like every song sounded exactly the same. I
2: haven't Everything... heard it yet. Is it on Spotify? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. I actually okay. that was one of the ones that I saw on Broadway. You did?
1: Oh. I did. <laughs> and he was there. I saw him. Oh. And I didn't meet him. I just saw. Him no, across no, the I know I was what like, you hey, mean. Hey, that's from Robert Brown over there. <laughs> Um, it was a, it was beautiful, but everything sounded so homogenous. Okay. And everything was a ballad. Everything was a story song. Mm-hmm. So it was hard to kind of delineate. Like yeah. there was, you know, it was just yeah. all really... I don't want to use the word bland uh-huh. because it did still have a flavor. Right. It was just one note. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Okay. But this show... I think really shows what he can do. Yeah. And songs for a new world too. I mean, Excuse even me. though that's just a review, every song is so different and so, you know, perfect for what it's trying to convey, but this uh, this show just I I just love it so much. <laughs> I love it. Um Oh, so, okay, so now we're going to get into the true aspect of it. Okay. The plot of the musical dramatizes the historical story and does not shy away from the conclusion of some that the likely killer was actually the factory janitor, Jim Conley, the key witness against Frank at the trial. The true villains of the piece are portrayed as the ambitious and corrupt prosecutor Hugh Dorsey, later the governor of Georgia and then a judge, and the rabid anti-semitic publisher Tom Watson who was later elected to a uh, U- US senator. Awesome. Yeah. So, I've got two things I'm going to pop up here, and I just have the link, so bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> um Oh, no, that's not what I wanted. Eh, oh, shoot. How do I get back? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't give me an arrow. <laughs> oh, a back arrow. Oh, here we go. Done. Three. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> <laughs> I just pushed the wrong link. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to go through the chronology of this. And then okay. we're going to chat about what we think. Okay. Which is basically what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I want people, the same thing as Scottsboro Boys. Like, yeah. I don't want to hand feed you right what, what, what I want you to believe. I want you to, like, go and read this in- amazing story. Yeah. And I remember when I was, I think I must have been a senior in high school at this point when this show came out and when no. I was listening to it. In December
2: 98? No, because you graduated. I graduated, would have graduated in 99. Right. So, so. This was December, though, remember? It closed. The, I thought. February it, 99. Oh, right. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I was a junior. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm older than you. Great. It's
2: just. <laughs> it's by one I year. Know, it's not even
1: that big. a deal. I <laughs> know. <laughs> fine I had an August birthday maybe you had a later birthday and that's why you (laughs) but but I remember Uh this was when I first I guess discovered my love of true crime because when I was listening to this and reading the libretto and finding Mm -hmm. out the story and Mm -hmm. when I discovered that it was a true story Uh I scoured the internet (laughs) for every piece of information that I could find because I just thought it was the most interesting thing in the world yeah um, and so I'm going to read you off the chronology, which may sound a little boring. I'll try to jazz it up a little. <laughs> um, but I would love for you all geeks to yeah. get on the Internet and find all because there's so many websites devoted to this story yeah. and so many story, articles that you can read and, mm-hmm. it's re- and so many pictures. There's one picture in particular that oh, is no. heartbreaking where you've got a crowd of men standing in front of this hanging body oh my this hanging God. lifeless body like t- America why but it's it reminded me so much of like you know how like a fisherman will stand next to his hanging fish well it's
2: it's it's like all the lynchings yeah like you there's so many pictures of black people hanging from trees and, and like all these white people laughing standing and there smiling
1: it's awful It's awful. America. Even if I felt
2: like that, even
1: if I felt that someone was guilty, that's not, that's not the kind of person you want to be.
2: It's disgusting. It is
1: disgusting. It's terrible. It's terrible. So here's the chronology. This was prepared by a man named Chris Stewart. uh, And it says UMKC law, comma, 2L. I don't know what that means, but I want to give him credit. Okay. (laughs) Um it's uh on a website called Famous Trials by Professor Douglas O Linder. So I think you could probably find that if you did like com, Right. Um and you can find this is where I found the bulk of all of the information that I had on the real uh, the real trial. Okay. And I think all of the pictures I found were also on com. So April 26, 1913, Megan uh wow, Megan. Mary Fagan, a thirteen year old girl who worked at the National Pencil Factory in Atlanta, Georgia, is murdered after picking up her paycheck. Uh that's April 26th. April twenty seventh, the next day, Newt Lee, who is the night watchman at the factory, discovered Mary's body and he's arrested on suspicion of murder. Mm-hmm. The next day, the superintendent of the National Pencil Factory, Leo Frank, is questioned as a matter of routine for the investigation. Displeased with the progress of the investigation, Frank personally invites Pinkerton detectives to help with the case. Mm-hmm. Two days after that, on April 30th, 1913, suspicions of Frank are raised because Mary's friend, a 15-year-old boy, tells investigators that Mary was afraid of Frank because he had made flirtatious uh, advances towards her. Hmm. Also, Newt Lee tells investigators that Frank acted nervous the day of the murder, though two other workers dispute this story. May 1st, 1913, Jim Conley, an African-American, can you hear the color in my voice? (laughs) I'm not trying to say he's guilty, Jim Conley. Uh, An African-American sweeper at the factory is arrested after being found in the basement trying to rinse out blood-stained shirt. May 8th, seven days later, Newt Lee and Leo Frank are ordered by a coroner's jury to be held under the charge of murder. May 13th. Rumors abound that notes have been found discovered near Mary's body. On May 21st, solicitor Hugh Dorsey announces that he will ask for indictments from the grand jury against both Newt Lee and Leo Frank, though the evidence will concentrate on Frank. Two days after that, a grand jury hands down a murder indictment against Leo Frank. No action is requested against Newt Lee. May 26th, after intense questioning, Jim Conley, admits that he wrote the notes found next to Mary's body mm. but claims that he wrote them at the order of Leo Frank the notes i wish that i had this written down were something were just like horribly misspelled and some letters were like backwards showing that oh. it was you know written by someone that was not very literate yeah um and so it does that goes that is um representative of Jim Conley he did right. not have a great education but the notes were like oh I'll have to find it later or maybe you guys can look it up it was I mean it was just a very strange thing to write on a note and then to leave as evidence next to the it was a very strange thing okay I'll try to find it after I've done this um, because I think it'll actually be really easy to find but uh, so that was May 26th on June 4th Frank's wife releases a statement insisting upon her husband's innocence and accusing Solicitor Dorsey of torturing witnesses in order to get false evidence. June 28th, almost a month later, John M. Slayton is sworn in as the new governor of Georgia. July 18th. <laughs> July 18th. <laughs> Because of rumors that the Pinkerton detectives involved in the case believe that Conley was the murderer. Mm-hmm. Let me just say this again. Because of rumors that the Pinkerton detectives involved in the case believe that Conley was the murderer, Mm -hmm. a grand jury convenes to consider indicting Conley. Solicitor Dorsey refuses to allow Pinkerton detectives to interview Conley and opposes indicting Conley. Three days later, the grand jury decides to postpone the
2: indictment. So this gentleman, Conley, he's Mm -hmm. black, right? It's like... I... Cause usually in the South, like during this time period, like uh, white people are trying to lynch a black person because they looked at you wrong, Mm -hmm. you know? So I, I'm, I'm a little confused. Like, I'm like, why,
1: why? Because he was not only a Yankee, but he was also a Jew, Leo Frank. This is why they made it it was such an easy bridge to make, you know, instead of saying, OK, I mean, we can lynch a black man any day of the week. But this Yankee, this Yankee upstart, this rich man moves into Marietta, takes
2: over this, you know, this pencil factory, living all highfalutin. It's funny because that. I, I feel like we're living in that mentality right now. I, you would not get a disagreement from me.
1: The thing is, I mean, I feel like, because we talked about this before starting recording. Yeah. There is such a nature right now in the political worlds yeah. to keep everything political mm-hmm. so that nothing can be truth. And it's this weird kind of, yeah. do you understand what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's hard mm-hmm. to explain, but you see it happening all the time. And it's like, it. it there's no justice because whoever has the power mm-hmm. is surrounded by people that are willing and able to cover up or to lie for yeah. or to completely
2: avoid any kind of uh, responsibility. Right. Right. But, but also, like, I I have friends where we've been talking about, like, trying to, like, sort of make sense of what exactly is happening. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a theory that I think is, I, I don't think is incorrect. Okay. I think it's, like, one of the, it's it's one of many theories of, like, mentally like what is happening subconsciously in in the minds of of people but it's like this looking at someone who could be in a managerial position over you Mm -hmm. um and because you know a lot of us work in situations where we I'm blessed I have really nice bosses I really do yeah I do too (laughs) I mean, I'm blessed, but not everyone does. And so they put these, um, they hate them, right? And so when you are looking at somebody who looks like they can be in a managerial position over Mm -hmm. you, you tend to project the hatred that you already have for another human being onto that human being. Um, It's like anyone named Erica right because Erica made fun of me as a kid right right <laughs> right <laughs> and and so i it it sounds like i mean to i can't even say to an extreme extent cuz i really feel like we're in this right now like yeah. the same um but but i feel like the same thing kind of happened with Leo where sure. they felt like why is this man why is this man over us like why yeah. is he in a managerial position and I'm not Mm -hmm. like I don't like that that like I grew up here right I know the people right I know all of the children
1: that work at that factory right
2: so why why does he come from somewhere else Mm -hmm. and get to be the manager over me and so absolutely there's like this prideful like sort of angry envy yeah absolutely and I I I think that Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. It's. Yeah. What year did this happen again? My,
1: 1913. My gra- my grandmother wasn't even born yet. Mine wasn't She's 102. Either.
2: Uh, and we're still there? We're still there. Graham, I'm sorry. I mean, you don't listen, but, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're 102, and we're it's, still there. It's it's
1: it, with as many with as many with as much progress as we've made yeah. in this country, we are still so backward in some aspects, and it's yeah. really it's really disheartening. Yeah. Um. So that was that. Uh, okay. Hugh Dorsey stepped in, said he didn't do anything. Look over here, mm-hmm. uh, and so he, uh, Jim Conley was not indicted. That was on July 18th. On July 28th, the trial of Leo Frank begins. The jury is selected. Mary Fagan's mother testifies as the first witness for the prosecution. And Newt Lee testifies. On August 4th, 1913, Jim Conley testifies as the chief prosecution witness Mm -hmm. against Leo Frank. Okay. Now... By all accounts, Mm -hmm. and who knows if this is true or not, but what I have read, and I don't have it written here, so this is just going off of something that I remember reading, um, he was so overtly coached Mm -hmm. before testifying that, you know, it it was so obvious to the people watching the trial Mm -hmm. that he had been coached Mm -hmm. by Dorsey. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, He knew exactly what to say. He said it the exact same way. You know, if he didn't know the right answer, I think that he was said to have looked at Dorsey to, you know, to get some sort of a symbol or a signal.
2: This is so messed
1: up. so messed up. (laughs) So about three days after that, then Solicitor Hugh Dorsey closes the state's case and the defense begins. This just says Leo takes the stand and testifies and then the defense rests. So he might have been the only person that was up for his own defense or that was testifying for his own defense so the defense rests on august 20th and on august 21st the final arguments begin on the 25th the final arguments end and the jury is instructed and the jury returns its verdict all on the same day leo frank is found guilty of murder frank his family and his lead attorneys are not present when the verdict is announced because of the judge's fear of mob violence yeah on the 26th, the next day, Frank is sentenced to hang. His execution date is set for October 10th, 1913. Frank's attorneys file a motion for a new trial. On October 31st, so between August 26th and October 31st, this motion has made it to Judge Roan's desk, Judge Roan's desk, and he denies Frank's motion for a new trial, but adds an unusual statement expressing his own doubts about the verdict. Frank's execution is rescheduled for April 17th, 1914 February 17th so now we've skipped to the following year the Georgia Supreme Court denies Frank's motion for a new trial on February 24th 1914 Jim Conley is sentenced to one year on a chain gang for his part in the murder April 6th Frank's attorneys file a motion in the Fulton County Superior Court to set aside the verdict the execution is rescheduled for January 22nd 1915 hmm June 6th, the
2: Fulton County... My grandmother was almost one month old. Okay, there you go. June 6th, in
1: 1914... she was. Sorry. She was one month? (laughs) Yeah, she was one month. Yeah. Um, The Fulton County Superior Court denies the motion. Frank's attorneys appeal to the Georgia Supreme Court. On October 14th, the Georgia Supreme Court denies Frank's motion to set aside the verdict. November 14th, 1914, the Georgia Supreme Court affirms the decision in the Leo Frank case. Frank's attorney file a motion to set aside the verdict arguing a denial of federal due process rights in the U.S. Hmm. District Court of North Georgia. December 21st, the U.S. District Court denies the motion to set aside the verdict. Frank's attorneys appeal to the Supreme Court of the United States. The execution is again delayed. Uh, April ninth, nineteen fifteen, the Supreme Court of the United States rejects the appeal with Justices Oliver, Oliver Wendell Holmes and Just, Chief Justice Hughes dissenting. Frank's ed- execution. Frank's ex- <laughs> oh gosh, I did it again. Frank's execution is set for June twenty second, nineteen fifteen. On June 20th, 1915, Governor John Slayton, during his last day in office, commutes Frank's sentence from death to life in prison. He expects a full pardon to come later mm. as doubts about the verdict increase. Mm-hmm. On June 21st, the next day, because of the fear of mob violence, Frank is transferred to the, in the middle of the night to Fulton County Prison to the Georgia Penitentiary in Milledgeville. Oh, from the Fulton County Prison to the Georgia State Penitentiary. Okay. July 18th, a prisoner slashes Frank's throat. Two other prisoners, both doctors, save Frank's life by stopping, and, uh, stopping the bleeding and stitching the wound. How cool is that? I mean, like... <laughs> like, these are things that you don't hear about. No. But he survived that. To then, a month later, uh, at night, 25 armed men cut the prison's telephone lines... And storm the facility, they seize Frank. I guess it was a lot easier to break in and out of prison at that point in time. August 17th, 1915. In the early hours of the morning, the men who had seized Frank drive to the outskirts of Marietta, Georgia, Mary Fagan's hometown. The lynch mob hangs Frank from an oak tree in a grove. On August 20th, Frank is buried in Brooklyn, New York. March 4th, 1982. This is really cool.
2: This is the thing a that couple caught my attention. Months before I was born.
1: <laughs> I was born. <laughs> but we knew that. <laughs> um, uh, Alonzo Mann, mm-hmm. who as a boy testified at Frank's trial, signs an affidavit on his deathbed claiming Frank's innocence. He claims that he had seen Conley carrying Mary's body. Conley, he says, threatened to kill him if told anyone, uh, if he told anyone what he had seen. January 4th, 1983, the uh, Anti-Defamation League submits an application for posthumous pardon of Leo Frank based on man's testimony. And on March 11th, 1986, the Georgia Board of Pardons and Paroles issues a posthumous pardon to Leo Frank. But the pardon does not officially clear Frank of the murder. It just pardons him. So if he was still alive, he would be let out of jail. There's <laughs> so much injustice. Yeah. And it's so difficult when you had so many upstanding and professional people mm-hmm. saying that Jim Conley did it
2: mm-hmm.
1: and to have one Corrupt man Mm -hmm. who was looking to further his political career with an amazing case Mm -hmm. that he could, you know, get a win for, Mm -hmm. that he just disallowed truth and justice to prevail. And I'm just, it's sickening. And you just wonder how often it really does happen because there's just too many stories.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so often like one of my, my mom and I, one of our favorite movies was Hurricane. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's you know about this man who was a boxer, this black man who was wrongly accused of like this heinous crime that he never did. Mm-hmm. He was sleeping, <laughs> well, nowhere near what happened. And then you've got the fugitive, and you've got
1: yeah. um, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, and you...
2: but Hurricane's a true story. Oh, it is. Yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's a true story. It's
1: just awful. Yeah. It's just awful.
2: And then Scottsboro Boys we talked mm-hmm. about. And then... Central Park 5. 5, yeah, which is more recent. Yeah. But a similar story, like eerily, creepily similar.
1: Well, and I just... I mean, I don't know if you watch Making a Murderer.
2: I watched uh, the first, like few episodes but then I was just getting so angry I couldn't finish well, it. <laughs> they did a really good job as far as I'm concerned because yeah.
1: from one episode to the next I switched points of view yeah. so they weren't just telling one narrative they right. were really just giving you the facts mm-hmm. and giving you interviews from people that were actually there but like from you know one uh, you know the first day I was like yeah, I think he probably did it. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, they gave me some more evidence that I was like, "Oh my gosh, he totally didn't do it." But then the next day, I was like, "Okay, I'm back on." The-. But that's <laughs> you know these uh, the prosecutors in that case, mm-hmm. it's who knows who's right and who you know it's so difficult yeah. because like that prosecutor in making a murderer was so very uh, you know clear about his own point of view. Mm-hmm. He he knew. He knew that that man did it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And so
1: it's like, but human, Mm -hmm. we're humans. We have no idea actually what happened. And you can go off of evidence, but even sometimes evidence isn't enough. Yeah. You can convict someone on circumstantial stuff. And then 20 years later, they're found to be not guilty because DNA evidence came into
2: light. Right. Right.
1: So it's difficult. So, yeah, someone might look really guilty based on circumstantial right. evidence. But to be honest, I'm not sure that I really want to hear that stuff anymore. Yeah. yeah. Unless it's really compelling. Yeah. I was watching, Um, I think it's called Cold Justice. Okay. It's a TV show you there can watch There is a TV show Netflix.
2: called Cold Justice, so probably. Okay. Like a
1: newer show?
2: I don't know. I think it's
1: cold justice. Okay. That Um, sounds right. With Kelly Siegler and Yolanda McCleary. Okay. Okay. So these are, this two women, she was a a prosecutor and Mm -hmm. also worked as a DA for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, Yolanda McCleary is the CSI that um, the lead character on the show CSI, like the original is based on. I didn't know that. Mark (laughs) Helgenberger. Yes. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's really cool, but it's a great show, and they go into cold cases,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they have some really amazing success like looking into these cold cases, and a lot of times, all they need, all these people, um, these uh, counties needed was mm-hmm. money to get the, the darn DNA tested yeah, the technology. in the first place, Yeah, because they just don't have the budget for it. Mm-hmm. And so you've got all of these people who are, you know, maybe in prison, or or who, who are dead and have never been given justice mm-hmm. or have been attacked and have never been given justice. And their evidence is in a storage locker waiting to be tested because there's not enough money. I'm like that in itself. It's this whole system is so
2: broken to me. Yeah. It's so
1: broken. It's really
2: broken. I mean, there's people in jail just because they don't have money. Yeah. But but meanwhile, like the taxpayers were paying a ton of money for them to be in jail for like no reason. Right. <laughs> and Ugh. then we're like, we don't have money for things. We don't have money for things. OK, well, maybe if you used it wisely. Yeah.
1: Don't even get me started about Social Security. <laughs> oh, man. That I've been paying for since I was 16 years yeah. old, and it's not even going it, to – it's going to be completely gone by the time I'm yep. old enough to use it, yep. and it's because the government spent it. Here's the – oh, <laughs> we could have a whole episode about this. <laughs> I know. Oh, and I knew this as a teenager. Yeah, I me knew too. I was working – I worked as a bill collector. I think I told you that when I was 19 <laughs> I didn't years old. did know that. You didn't? No. Oh. I was working as a bill collector, and something came up. Like someone said, I'm, "I'm only, I'm only living on social security, so I can't pay my bill." And I was like, "Screw you, dude," because you're not living on your social security; you're living on mine right
2: now. Well, I, <laughs> I, I I've kind of been like, okay, well, I'm paying for my grandmother's. It's fine. I don't. If they had just
1: been smart about
2: you put yeah. it in an interest-bearing account, and you don't yeah. touch it until the person is. Right. Of age. I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't understand, like, why we don't. Because they robbed Peter to pay Paul. It's a Ponzi and scheme. And now it's exactly
1: a Ponzi scheme. So, so much a Ponzi scheme. I and mean, it just makes me sick. It just makes me absolutely sick. I hate them. They're just awful. And <laughs> Congress and all of, all of these elected officials have these amazing things that they get free healthcare and they get enormous paychecks and they get so many weeks of vacation that are paid for and if they had if they were working for us for the same thing that they were working for like if if they were saying okay well we're gonna do this healthcare thing but they also had to deal with the healthcare system as it is right it would be a whole nother system right but who gets to vote on their stuff they do (laughs) Guess what? I'm coming for you, Senate and Congress. If you want something for you, if you want a pay raise, we get to vote for it. The people. Oh, yeah, it should be. Absolutely. You work for us, and you get paid plenty they, they for the rest of your life, even yeah. if you're not a senator anymore. They forget. Pisses me off. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> that took like a tangent. I'm living it right now. <laughs> Ugh. Sucks. But anywho. So that's the story of Parade and the lynching of Leo Frank. Sucks. This is a real downer. A real downer <laughs> episode. <laughs> People are like, what happened to Pamela? She's usually so fun <laughs> and laughing and singing. <laughs> The world, man, life. The world just bears down on you until it you does. just can't handle it anymore, and the only thing you can do is scream.
2: <laughs> I I have what I forgot. Oh, this morning, what was I? I was watching something this. Oh no, yesterday I was watching the documentary Icarus. Okay, which is very good. It's on Netflix. Oh, I think I've seen it and not the show but yeah it was another time where i just like i again realized like how much trouble we're in Mm -hmm. (laughs) even though it's just like about the olympics but it but it really gives you insight it really does give you insight into how much trouble we're in so at the end of it i just was like i was in bed and i was finishing (laughs) watching it and i just go <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 All the dogs, were All the dogs are like, right oh, no, what like but... "Oh no, what happened?" What happened?
1: <laughs> uh, oh, I yeah. found that letter by the way. Okay. If you me to... Yeah, yeah. Okay, because the letter that was le- the two, there were two letters mm-hmm. and they were written and then left by the body of Mary Fagan mm-hmm. to make it seem as though Mary had written them. Okay. But the grammar and the wording Mm -hmm. is juvenile at best. Okay. So bear with me because this is not going to be in my voice either. Um, And it's very difficult to read. So the first one says, Ma'am, that Negro hire down here did this. I went to make water and he pushed me down that hole a long, tall, negro, black, that, who, is, was, long, slim, slim, tall, negro, it, right, while, play with me. Don't, I mean, for my, the thing I can kind of put a context to is Mary in the note saying, A tall, black man pushed me down the hole when I went to go use the bathroom. Yeah.
2: And but then, how did she have did time something. to write this?
1: Right? This is very weird. Yeah. And then the second note says He said he wooed, love me, land down, play like the night witch did it, but that long, tall, black negro did by his self. Slef. Self. Who even knows? But it's so clear that it's not a child, right? It's so. I mean, it's just. It's so. It's there was, was also so weird. there was a piece of evidence too uh-huh. that um. So she her body was found in the basement. The only way to get to the basement, or the the only way that you, nor uh, that people normally used to get down to the basement was the elevator. Okay. There was evidence that someone had defecated in the shaft Mm -hmm. but that when the police came down in the lift they discovered that this excrement had been smushed which tells them that that someone who made the poop was down there with the body Mm -hmm. before going back up getting the police and whatever right jim conley admitted that he was the one that went to the bathroom in the shaft. Oh. So that was another, like, and I'm sure that's why probably the Pinkerton detectives were like, um, I at least want to talk to this guy. Right. But all it's just such a, it's so weird. And, like, then he's trying to pawn it off on Newt Lee, who, by all accounts, was a tall, lean, black man. So both men were black. Watchman. So it's
2: just like, which one? Yeah. Okay. <sighs> is so weird yeah.
1: you guys have to check out this this website though because I mean like I can look I'll just read you it's uh here are the resources that are on um famous com. There's the trial of Leo Frank and account. There's the chronology. There are diagrams of the pencil factory. There are the murder notes, which is what I just read you. There are images relating to the Leo Frank case. News stories and articles about the Frank case. Testimony about it in in the Frank trial, which mm-hmm. I love reading. I totally read the Lizzie Borden um, trial notes. That was really cool. Because there's a musical about that, too. Maybe yeah. Has that ever been on Broadway?
2: I have to look. I I'm don't not think sure. it ever has been, but yeah. if it
1: has... I want to do it. <laughs> Allison Frazier. She was, I have that cast recording. I don't even know how I got it. It's probably a bootleg. Sorry. <laughs> um, there's the appellate decisions. There's the letter from Governor Slayton about the clemency decision. Mm. You know, all of these things. There's Mary Fagan's grave. There's a picture of that. There's a something called the ballot of Mary Fagan. It's so chock full of information. Mm-hmm. And it's all so Im- I was going to say impelling. I meant compelling. Right. (laughs) It's so compelling and so fascinating to read and to listen to, especially through the lens of kind of having an idea of who really did it. Right. To see, you know, I don't know. Because I, look, I'm biased. I think he did it. I think Jim Conley did it. Right. And the evidence that I'm presented goes along with that narrative. Right. But you guys can make your own decision. Mm -hmm. And I'll let you. I want you to make your own decision. <laughs> <laughs> but anywho, that's parade.
2: That's parade and Leo,
1: Leo Frank, Frank.
2: and Lucille Frank. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah. Woo! And we went on a bunch of tangents. So if you finished this episode. <laughs> Thank you for listening we're
1: not really all that political all the time <laughs> but this just warranted it
2: yeah thanks for listening thank you so much for listening we appreciate you all bye, bye. <laughs>
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW proof. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.